This is the Power of Genetics podcast. In each episode, I'll be interviewing successful practitioners and impactful thought leaders in the world of health and performance. They will share their journey, their insights, and their best advice for us all. I'm your host, Dr. Yael Jaffe. Let's begin with today's episode. Good morning, everyone. This is the Power of Genetics podcast, and I have a very special colleague and guest who will be joining me today, Meryl Brandfine, and you will be introduced in a moment. It's been a long journey that we've been working together. I think it's like a mutual appreciation society, as um, often these, these podcasts can be. But welcome, Meryl. Welcome to Power of Genetics podcast. I am so happy to be here. Love always love talking to you, Yael. So it was great. Excellent. So, Meryl, the one thing that I do do on this uh, podcast is I I I let you introduce yourself rather than making this a formal kind of bio. Um, as I kind of mentioned to you earlier, tell us kind of who you are now, like who you are in the world and and with your work, and then once we've kind of got that out the way. We're going to deep dive. We're going to go right back to the beginning because I'm a dietitian, you're a dietitian, and we know that being a dietitian has a long story and long journey. So as soon as you kind of introduce yourself, we are going to backtrack quite a few decades and kind of find out, like, where did you start? And then, of course, that'll lead us back to where you are now and the amazing impact that you are having. Great. Absolutely. So uh, right now, where am I? I mean, I am the rebel nutritionist. Why am I the rebel nutritionist? Yeah. Uh, really, because I, I want to be a disruptor in this space a little bit. Uh, maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot. I mean, it really is about what do I practice? Functional medicine, functional nutrition, personalized nutritional medicine with really the crux of it being the whole genetics piece. And that's really what my practice has taken on now. Um, because it is such a differentiator and it is so impactful. So yeah, I mean, I, my practice has probably shifted 360 degrees from where I originally started, but that's what I do. It really is about using personalized nutritional medicine, get to the root cause, impact someone's life in a way that really changes the trajectory of their health, their wellness, and their longevity. Okay. Brilliant. And, and I would just say that, um, I think you probably didn't give yourself enough credit there because Meryl actually has what, what we call the Brandfine Institute. And, and it's one of those um, kind of practices we love working with because of the way you've structured it. And I mean, if you quickly mention that, that mm -hmm. key differentiator, because it's one of the things that I love about the work you do. Yes, thank you. So uh, yes, we work as a team here. And really the differentiator that you are talking about is that I physically employ, you know, health coaches in our space, right? I'm not outsourcing. We are not consulting you know, with a coach. I have coaches as my team. And I really look at it as a team approach. We, um, as much as I am doing, let's call it the nutrition prescription, and they're implementing it. What I have found over the years of doing this, and this really does, yes, it is a dif differentiator in the industry because I don't think there's that many of us doing it in the way that we are doing it. And it has really impacted our clients' um, progress, our clients' uh, uh, outcome. 
And by having, you know, the, the coaches are actually in the sessions with me doing the initial sessions, they get to hear everything. And then they take it, you know, they take the, the client on the journey from there and all of the behavioral piece. And again, the implementation and really more importantly, the accountability and the support. Right. That's what, that is really what and we're going to come it. back to this. I mean, we're going to come back to this. I just wanted to make sure that we like yeah. to out there because the interesting journey, of course, of being a dietitian is, is, is this idea that we own nutrition and that it's only dietitians who, who have the answers. So I'm glad we just kind of put that there. Let's, let's put a placeholder there. And now let's go back to the beginning, right? How okay. did Meryl Banhart decide to be a dietitian and go into the world of nutrition? So I actually remember in fourth grade <laughs> making that decision. Wow. I think primarily because my aunt, who uh, was always, so my aunt is actually only 11 years older than me. She's actually 12 years younger than her sisters. So she was more like my sister and she was my hero. She still is actually. Um, but she early on, you know, she decided to go into dietetics. So at that point she's in college. So I'm, so she's what, 18. So, right. I'm at that point, you know, young in fourth, fifth grade. And I just remember saying, I just want to do whatever she's doing. And what is dietetics? I didn't, I knew it had to do with food and health and whatever, but I'm like, I just want to be like her. Um, but I remember doing a project in fourth grade when they asked us, what do you want to be? And I said, a dietitian. <laughs> I was going to be a lawyer. <laughs> I still think I would have made a pretty good lawyer, but you know, anyway. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I, I then wanted to be a doctor until, you know, one of my high school uh, counselors was like, you're not smart enough to be a doctor. That's a whole other. Oh, you know, oh yeah. yeah, that's oh, yeah. That was the whole, yeah. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I've spent years in therapy on, but, um, uh, but, but I, that was my earliest recollection. And then I just remember learning and then, and then, you know, my own, I mean, my own journey in terms of, weight really is what, you know, and I remember you were talking about that in your very own podcast, right? I think we all end up in that space because we're trying to figure out our own story. Absolutely. And for me, I remember being told um, at a young age when I was dancing, I was, a, you know, it, it, at that point, you know, there was no such thing as hip hop. It was either ballet or it was jazz, right? And I remember being in my ballet costume and like the teacher saying, oh, well, you were, I was chunky and that I had to, get my costume taken, whatever, right? The things that we remember as little kids that trigger us. And, and then I remember my grandmother just saying, well, you're eating too many ring dings and you need to watch what you're eating. <laughs> and, and, and that started, um, I think that whole just self-image, self-esteem, you know, never pretty enough, never thin enough, right? You, you certainly are familiar with that conversation too. And I think so many people out there are, but that I think is what was the catalyst to get me into that field of nutrition was really, I was trying to deal with my own, own struggles of how do I manage my weight? You know, and it was up, it was down. It was, I mean, I've dealt with disordered eating behaviors and, um, and I, I, the way I say it is I've spent, I spent the first 25 years of my life trying to make the outside feel good by trying to change the inside. Right. And then the last 25 years have been the inside is really what is reflective of the outside, right? The more I change the inside, now the outside reflects that. Oh, I love that. I haven't heard and, that before, but I really like that. 
Yeah. Well, but that's the truth, right? Like that's my own truth because I spent so much time trying all these wacky diets and whatever. And then when I finally learned my genetics, I'm like, oh, well, that's the answer. <laughs> you know? So, um, but, but it was a struggle and it was a mental, emotional struggle too. And, you know, I went to college and, um, uh, because I, even through high school, like I, I did decide that, okay, I really want to study nutrition to really understand what, what this whole thing is about. And so, and it was, it always fascinated me. Cooking always fascinated me. And, um, so I just continued on that path and, um, and then, and then I, I actually hated being in the, the traditional program. I did my undergraduate. At, that was at, my at, next question. Cause of course you and I've discussed this before. It was like, Right. So you arrived in dietetics and then what, how did that work out for you? Like, what was your, I was like, what yeah, was I'm like, this, that? You know, this was nothing that I wanted to do. I'm thinking, why am I studying the viscosity of ketchup? <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that in food science, like this is horrible. Or, you know, my internship at the VA, like peeling potatoes like this. I did not sign up for this. Yeah. We can have so, a whole lot of examples of Oh yeah, the, the disappointment of what we didn't. Oh. I mean, you always you've heard my story where they're like three weeks into my dietetic program, they were like, "What do you give a patient in hospital? Oh, chocolate cake yeah. and ice cream, right? For calories, it's got protein and calcium yep. and carbohydrate." So yeah. I think you know, yeah, similar experience. Yeah, yeah it, it was, and then and and you know the funny thing is, is intuitively very early on when we were counting calories, and I'm like something here just does not make sense about this. But, you know, of course, who are we to question that? It was, you know, you got to go out and give someone who's in the hospital an 1,800 ADA calorie diet and you're sitting there counting carbs and I'm going, you know. So, um, yeah, so it was it was a little disheartening. And so to the point where, you know, when I graduated and I was looking for a job and I was in a hospital doing clinical work and I hated it, um, you know, I've had more peas thrown at me than I care to mention. But, um and, and look, I'm grateful for the clinical experience. I worked in the ICU. I did TPN nutrition for a very long yep. time. I did. Yep. And yep. So, so that was very interesting from the medical perspective, right? I was really excited about doing that because medicine, I think it really ultimately what, what, what it was is medicine fascinated me. I don't know that it was so much the nutrition as much as medicine. And to the point where um, I graduated, uh, after I graduated and, and uh, I was started to actually look into doing uh, to going back to medical school. And I started pursuing it. Um, and I was taking physics and I was like, oh, I was always remembering that was the worst thing for, I hated <laughs> physics. Too. Yeah. And at that point I, I had actually met my, my, well now ex-husband, but my husband and he was a doctor and he was in the hospital and he's like, do you want to go away to Bermuda? And I'm thinking mm, physics or Bermuda, physics or Bermuda. <laughs> So, you know, Bermuda won out and needless oh. to say, I did not pursue, you know, the medical career and, um, and, and dabbled in things and this and that. And, and ultimately I really hated the dietetics profession so much at that point that I really ended up going to do my personal training cert certification, got certified as a personal trainer, made way, made way more money as a personal trainer. Do you know that, <laughs> you know that I did that as well, that I... I actually became a personal aerobics instructor, which is absolutely yeah. terrifying, right? I took two aerobic, I, I I took two aerobics classes and I was like, never again. And then I just did personal <laughs> training. 
But like you, I was like so disillusioned with dietetics. I was like way more interested in being a personal trainer, yeah. which is, I mean, it's quite funny that we both landed up kind of going that journey. Yeah. It was better yeah. than waitressing, right? Way better than waitressing. Oh, I tried waitressing. I'm like, there's no way, yeah. but I did. I mean, I taught aerobics, step aerobics, you know, yeah. every aerobic. That's how I put myself through college. I mean, in terms of my spending money. I was, that's how I, was, I paid for yeah. college. I refused to waitress. They, were, they used to allow smoking in those days. They had right. smoking in there. And we weren't even going to like the men pinching or, you know, whatever, right, right. but, but I hated waitressing so much. I was like, I am totally going to put myself through university as a, as a, a gym instructor. So it seems like you and I were on that. On yeah, the same day. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so yeah, so, um, ended up then, uh, so I was doing the personal training and, and then got married um, and I ended up working in, in a cardiac rehab place doing the dietetic stuff still didn't, you know, it was still what I would call very much in the box dietetics and, and, you know, you had to follow that whole, whole paradigm. And then, um, so got married and then I started having kids pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, and really it was, I was, uh, after my, uh, third child was born, um, I was six weeks after she was born, I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. So that of course set my world into a tailspin. I'm here. I am six weeks postpartum. I now have three, three children, children. Under, three small children under the age of four. And, you know, oh basically, looked, yeah, looked my, uh, uh, oncologist in the face and was like, am I going to die? You know, I, I, I remember that so, so vividly. Um, and she goes, I don't think so. <laughs> That's not really, I don't I think so. yeah, yeah. You know, your odds are pretty good, but, um, you know, suffice to say that was really, uh, emotionally, it, it was just, it was, it was tragic because I, I, I was here, I am facing, you know, this diagnosis. So I ended up, um, having, uh, a tumor removed. I had surgery. I had a clav clavicular tumor removed on my neck, but I had a really, they called it bulky Hodgkins. I had a really big huge baked potato sized tumor in the middle of my chest. So I had to get uh, chemotherapy and I had radiation. And, you know, at that point I was getting chemo every single week for 12 weeks. I lived up in New Jersey at that point. So I was going into Sloan Kettering every week for treatment. And, um, you know, and it's amazing kids, how kids intuitively know things. So my son, Jason, who at the time was just under or just turned four, I'd come home from getting chemo and, you know, you don't tell a four-year-old what's going on with mom, right? It was just impossible for him to wrap his head. But intuitively, I'd come home from chemo, it was generally on a Wednesday, and I'd come in and sit on the couch or on the floor. I was just, you know, kind of in a whirlwind from that chemo. It's like the chemo brain fog, right? And wherever he was in the house, didn't matter where he was, he would know I was home and come up and he would just grab my hand and sit next to me. And so, you know, he and I are still very energetically connected. It's, it's, it's interesting, but, um, and then the other two, my girls were just too young to really have any, any idea of what was going on. But, and we used to joke about, I lost all my hair. I had two different wigs and we used to joke about which, you know, hair is mommy wearing today and tried to keep it light, but it was hard. It was a hard 12 weeks. I you know anybody who's gone through chemo knows that. And, um, and then I uh, subsequently had um, about a little more than a month of radiation. And so after I finished all of that, 
Um, I remember going to my doctor and, and, and actually, so my chemo treatment finished on Valentine's day. So we always call that my, you know, my day, um, that I was declared cancer free, but, um, uh, I went back to the doctor and I was like, well, I, I don't feel well, you know, I know I'm, I'm cancer free, but I am sick. I, I, I was getting sick every few weeks. My immune system was shot. I'm like, I can't take care of my kids. This is debilitating. Like, what do you have for me? What can you do for me? And she basically looked at me and was like, yeah, I got nothing. You know, we cured your cancer, basically got nothing. Good, good luck and, with that. Yeah. yeah, good luck with that, right? And um, and so my mother-in-law at the time, who was into all this alternative and integrative stuff before it was cool to be into all of it, I, I looked at her and said, all right. And I used to make fun of her for all the vitamins she would take. And I'm like, what is that voodoo crap that you're doing? And, you know, finally I looked at her, I said, okay, where do you go? What do you do? I need in on this because I can't function anymore. And she actually said she would go to these integrative places in, in Mexico, in Tijuana. So she took me. I'm like, all right, just take me. I got to go. I got to do something. And I remember walking in to the clinic and they hook you up to these, you know, vitamin infusions and wow. we got there late. So the next, we got there late in the evening. And so the next morning they walk in with a bag um, and I'm like, and she's like coffee. And I'm like, that's a weird way to serve coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so she's like, oh no, no, you're not drinking this. I'm like, uh, do I want to know where that's going? And so, you know, I had a coffee wow. enemas every single morning. Um, that was an experience, you know, but it's to stimulate the liver and whatever, but, but so there were other people in this clinic and while everybody else was watching Jerry Springer, I'm like the mad scientist who's walking around following these integrative oncologists, asking them, what are you doing? I don't understand this. Like I I've never been exposed to this, you know, and I want to know. So for a week I'd, I'd walk around with them and I'd pick their brains and they were brilliant and they were into all this integrative stuff. And they sent me home with a, a, an autologous dendritic cell vaccine, my own immune system. And, and so, you know, to boost up my immune system. And I went home with that and literally, you know, shot myself up with that every week. And lo and behold, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Oh yeah. And they gave me a whole food diet. <laughs> oh, God, imagine that. Yeah. Imagine that it was a whole food diet, no garbage, no, you know, whatever. And um, three weeks. And so I was learning really more about that because we didn't really know about that. You know, it, 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 as ironic as that sounds, we really didn't learn about whole food nutrition. And so I came home, started using the vaccine, started implementing a lot of these things that, you know, that, that, that made sense from a nutrition perspective. And then threw my world, myself into this world of functional medicine. I remember going to one of the very first Jeff Bland IFM conferences and there was like 40 or 50 people there. And I'm going, yeah. is this, is this a thing? Is this going to take off? Like, what is this? Is right? this take off? Like, is this going to take two, off? 200,000 right? of us later. Is exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so that was, I literally have, you know, a, this is organically. I mean, I took every course that I could at that point, learned everything I could, started to relearn nutritional biochemistry because clearly we never got any of that. And um, at some point I finally said to my husband, I'm like, I can't stay in New Jersey. This is not healthy for me. It's toxic. We lived on the back. We, and I think this is partially why I got sick. I literally backed up to a very, very famous golf course, Baltusrol golf course. But I um, remember smelling 
the, the, um, the pesticides yeah. and the chemicals. And I remember complaining to them. There was like a pile behind our house of this mulchy smelling, whatever. I am sure 110% that that contributed, right? And so I'm like, I can't stay here. This is toxic. So we literally moved. And my husband was, was a podiatrist, successful practice, literally picked up and moved and, and came to Florida. And that was really how I started my functional medicine practice. I started slowly in my house, uh, learning as much as I could, gaining as much information and starting to see clients and little by little by little knew that this was something I knew we were onto something because it worked. <laughs> it just worked. And, and, you know, subsequently here I am in a, an amazing space with a whole, whole team looking to only continue to grow. But I always said, if I can make a difference in one person's life, the way I had that experience, then I'm, I've done my job. Well, I, I think your job is done in that case. I'm, I'm sure you're pretty <laughs> past that now. <laughs> and, and, and so, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to chat to you is because I think that in the world of nutrition and dietetics, um, of course, I love I love the name Rebel Nutritionist. If you didn't take it, I would have had to take it for myself. So <laughs> you, you got there first. But um, I think, you know, it's so important, this idea of being a rebel. And I think that I still, I wish things were very different, mm -hmm. but I'm not sure they are. So maybe you can can reflect on that. You know, for someone who's been in the industry for decades, same as I have, who started out as um, disappointed dietitians, um, who still identify as a dietitian. It sounds like a gender identification. We identify as a dietitian. Um, where do you think we are? I mean, what's your sense, um, you know, 10, 20, 30 years down the road? Like, where do you think we are now? You know, sadly, we are no further along than where we were when you and I went to school. I mean, I have interns who work with me and come here. And, you know, the sad part is, is the didactic program is still the didactic program. They're still studying outdated principles. They are asked to do, I have an intern with me who is amazing. And she has to go to the next rotation which is food science, like food. I'm like, why? Right? Like, so, so it it's is got the tea of ketchup. Has it, to be right, ketchup. Right. Right. She's got to go yeah. work in a food, whatever in the VA to yeah. get that experience. So, so I think that it is so outdated and antiquated and they're not, they have not kept up with the times. And, um, you know, they're um, still talking about calories in calories, calories and food exchanges and oh, nutrient distribution. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, yeah, yeah, you know, so, so, and I feel bad because people ask me, right. I have students all the time calling me and saying, what do you think I should do? You think I should be a dietitian? And I'm like, not really, but what, what do you say? Cause I get that asked. I get asked that question all the time. What yeah, do I, I, I say, no, I, I tell them, I said, you know, you're better off going and getting a functional med. I mean, and this is the thing. I don't know that there's any really good answer right now. That's the problem. Yeah. Because if you don't want to go to medical school to become a functional medicine practitioner, and you want to do the nutrition piece, there's no governing body, I think, that is, 
you know, I mean, you could be a clinical nutritionist. I don't know. Are they still actually even doing that? Right. I, I think well, that's I think almost, they do, but it's hard right. to get licensing then. So licensing becomes kind of this big issue. Right? Yes. And I think, yes. And I think that's the problem, right? That's Their the power that they have. Yeah. But right. It's the power that they have, but it really is yeah. unduly. They should. Yeah. They, it, it, it's, it's wrong. I really think that it's wrong. <laughs> um, if there was something I could rebel against, I wish it was that. I mean, I have, I have a bunch of students that have said, you know, well, I'm going to go the traditional route and then I'm going to do functional medicine. And the problem is, is you've got to go back and relearn all of the nutritional biochemistry <laughs> that you're not getting. Yeah. I always say what we do at, at 3x4, especially with genetics, is we spend three quarters of the time unlearning um, what they were taught and then um, the rest of the time relearning and reteaching and and that's super sad that after all these decades we're still still having to teach nutritional biochemistry yeah I mean so we really need to have you know someone create a whole other thing <laughs> yeah well you know there's a bunch of us we talk about like that the, the third profession you know like this other profession you know because nutrition is so important um, you know, and it, it, yeah. it we just, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. You know, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, nutrition is that th the, it's the first leg on a three-legged stool. You know, if you don't have that, you have nothing. Oh, and yet, stool. I haven't heard that for a while. And the other leg is genetic. Isn't one of the legs genetics? It's gotta be. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Well, I think there's really a four, right. I mean, absolutely. I think, you know, your genetics for sure, nutrition and, you know, your behavior and lifestyle, right. Of course, yeah. you've got to look at all of that, but, um, yeah, it, it is. It's very sad to me. It is a very sad state of affairs. I mean, you know, many of our colleagues, you know, Amanda Archibald and I talk about this all the time too. It's, yes, uh, we do as well. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah. So yeah. tell me about how you were introduced to genetics. When did genetics, because you've been working with me for a very long time. You were one of the earliest supporters of nutrigenomics. You, you know, you didn't need any convincing. You were already in Tell me how how you found your way into genetics. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I don't even remember. I think probably it was my conversations with Amanda very early on because uh, Amanda was such an early adapter, right? That's right. She's, right? She, she is sort of, uh, and I think that, those conversations and at the time, Bobby Klein and Joe Veltman were just getting started with Genoma. Well, I guess, you know, Genoma International, it was called at that time or Genoma. Uh, so I did their course and that was, that was my entree into it. And then once I did that, I was hooked, right? I'm yeah. like, oh my God, I just want to know more about this. And, you know, then I took another course. And so I just keep, uh, you know, searching for more and more because it just is evolving. Right. I mean, even since we've, I've been with 3X4. So I think, um, you know, shortly after I finished with Genoma and then, um, you know, then found you guys and, and then love that whole approach of, of what the blueprint was, or, you know, the map, the roadmap of how we did it. Um, and now very much now, the more I use it, uh, you really, I, I don't really take too many people into my practice without having them go through a genetic, you know, testing, the uh, test. You don't know what you don't know. Right. And and the thing is, is it's almost right. And and when you know what you can know, you can't unknow that. <laughs> and I know it. Right. And you, yeah. I know right? quite so, a few practitioners that we start working with and they they start off doing a test here or there and then eventually like, 
they're not seeing a patient if they don't have a test because otherwise like we're seeing patients with one arm tied behind our back like this is just not okay so yeah yeah and so that's the thing it's like when you know and then you know when i say to people well what a gift it is and you know and and then and then i explain and they're like oh well of course i want to do it so um yeah, I think there's still so many people, look, there's so many people who still don't know about functional medicine and functional nutrition. You know, when I say that, they look at me like, what, what, what is that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, then yeah. you throw genetics in and they're like, what? <laughs> I mean, if I, I really do truly believe that functional nutrition is the future of nutrition. Yep. Um, and and I, I dream of the day when um, functional nutrition is nutrition. And not an alternative. And I think, um, yeah. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, I think, uh, you know, that's why part of me is is when I have these these students who are under me and, um, you know, it's funny because I just did a a genetic review with a client and I make my own PowerPoints and, you know, the intern was in with me and she's like, after we were finished, she's like, I'm blown away. She's like, and all I do is keep sending clinical, these, these emails to myself, clinical pearl, clinical pearl, clinical pearl. And, um, it should be, it really, you know, it really is, is sad that, that we just, that it isn't, but I agree with you. Functional nutrition is going to be, I think we are on the wave, you know, the front of the wave and there aren't enough of us doing it. There are, we are on the front of the wave and we are growing, but there's not enough. And, you know, the sadness is, you know, when I started out in nutrigenomics, um, I was never invited to teach at any university at all. Um, 30 years in, I'm now um, get invited to speak, to teach a lot of postgraduate, like master's and doctoral programs. But the saddest part is if you're an undergraduate nutritional dietetics student, if you get one hour of genetics or nutrigenomics, you've done well. So have have we achieved much in, in decades? Absolutely not. So, you know, for me, that's the saddest part is where, you know, the only way to learn nutrigenomics is through organizations like ours, um, but not actually where you should be learning them, which is part of your training. So we have more work to do, Meryl. We have have (laughs) more work to do. So we're going to tie things up. I think I just, um, I just want to make a mention of something before we tie things up. I think you and I have had a very similar journey through diet I, I, you call yourself the rebel nutritionist and I call myself the reluctant dietitian um, <laughs> um every time I try to get away from it it kind of calls me back but um so so one of the things you might have heard me speak about for quite some time is this idea that any one profession owns nutrition and I think this has been one of the fundamental flaws um, that we have lived with for a very long time. And I think it's a fundamental flaw of dietetics, the idea that dietitians are the only ones with nutrition knowledge and the only ones that can help. And my experience over the last time is watching the growth of functional nutrition, integrative nutrition, um, the CNS qualification, um, clinical nutritionists, um, so that we're seeing that actually there's amazing, amazing professionals out there with incredible skill sets and deep effective knowledge um, around nutrition. But one of the one of the greatest and probably strongest movements, talk about a wave, it's more like a tsunami, mm. is um is health coaching. And and one of the challenges we've seen with health coaching over the years is who is a health coach? You know, and and so you can wake up in the morning and do an online course for two hours, right? And um, 
and you can call yourself a health coach. But then on the other side of the spectrum, there are amazing organizations. I just did a whole lot of uh, teaching lecturing for IIN where um, you really have to study a huge amount um, and work extremely hard to get a health coaching qualification. And one of the things I love about you is your, what I call like democratizing nutrition, which is understanding where our strength is and understanding where our weaknesses are. And I think you and I are both on the same page, that there's a very big difference between able to, you know, interpret genetic report, come up with a targeted treatment plan than being able to impact change. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, about a year, year and a half ago, I came to you and I said, you know, I've been a dietitian for decades and decades and decades. And like you, I had a weight problem when I was younger that I've never really been able to understand my behavioral change. And I was lucky enough to work with one of your um, uh, health coaches, Michelle, and it was an extraordinary experience for me. For someone, and you can imagine how much fun it was for Michelle having to deal with yeah. me. But anyway. <laughs> she loves you. Anyway, it's like, uh, what, you know, it's like, what do you give, what do you like buy for the person who has everything? So like, how do you be a health coach to someone who's a dietitian? Anyway, but she was amazing and she taught me so much. And I think through my experience of having my own health coach, I came to truly understand what we don't know and who we yeah. aren't. And I think what I love about um, the Brown Fund Institute and what the work you've done is you got it. You got it a long time ago. And you, instead of seeing health coaches as the competition, you saw them as our allies. If we mm -hmm. want to impact people's lives and get them to change a behavior, then that is a way. And so I just want to, you know, give kudos to you for having that vision. Because if we think we can change people's lives without having health coaches um, as part of who we are, and we don't have those skills, we're actually quite terrible at it. Um, so I, yeah, I just wanted to give big kudos to you for, for, for the vision that, that you had. Thank you. Thank you. And, and it does, it's very impactful. Um, and I don't know that I ever saw it as, um, as threatening. You know, I was very comfortable in the space that I was in with with providing you know with being a diagnostician and really getting to the root like my love of science you know i always say to me science is sexy and i love really digging and figuring out what's under the hood um and then my and and but in and in the beginning look that's what we are when we're solo practitioners you're doing the diagnostics and you're trying to coach yeah. And you just don't have enough time to do it all. So when I finally realized that, you know what, this is not where my time is most effectively spent. Not only that, right? I, I don't love doing it. Like, I'm not a nice coach. Like, you don't want me to me coach you. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I have clients who will say, no, please coach me. I'm like, you don't understand. No, you really don't want me to coach you. I'm not nice. I'm like, I'm from Brooklyn. I don't sugarcoat anything. You don't want me to coach you, right? And so, um, uh, you know, but, but so I learned that very early on, if I wanted to grow my business, that I had to make a better, make better use of my time. And yes, my coaches, I make sure they are very well-trained. You know, I have a, I have one who is in the, in the wings waiting, who is doing the IFM course. It's an amazing course, right? But you have got to make sure that your coaches know, have some kind of solid backbone of understanding behavior and, and psychology and all of that. And, you know, the other coaches have gone through the psychology of eating program or Jill has gone through IFNA, right? They have all done something because I do require that. 
And then when they're working with me, we are going through the coaching. You know, I they are in the sessions with me. And while they are in, I'm going through. This is what I'm doing. This is my, the, yeah, this is the the system. This is the process that I'm going through. So they're learning while they're doing. And, uh, and it's been a huge game changer in my practice. Well, wonderful. I hope a lot of people listen to this and are inspired to, to follow suit. Meryl, it's been absolutely wonderful talking with you as always. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. And hopefully I will see you. I don't know when, but hopefully soon. You're very far yeah. away from Seattle. You couldn't be further. I know you are, yes, it's much warmer here than it is there. <laughs> Tell me about it, right? I would have done better in Florida than, than in Seattle, but I'm coping. All right. I'm, well, you'll have to have another satellite office here, maybe. <laughs> sounds a plan. Sounds a plan. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Power of Genetics podcast brought to you by 3x4 Genetics. For more episodes, please visit 3x4genetics.com backslash podcasts.